What's good, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Living Single with Yana Janae. Yo, uh, in this episode, we're going to be continuing our conversation on purity culture. However, I invited my friend Ken Kinshiro, you may remember him from last season, to come and just share about his perspective as a man and just kind of how purity culture impacted him. And per usual, Kinshiro and I, when we get going, we just talk for a really long time. So let's just jump into this episode. Kinshiro. Yana. Welcome back. Thank you for having me again, again. (laughs) Again, again. You know, people are going to think that this is just your second time recording an episode for the Living Single with Yana Janae podcast, but that's not true. It's true. That it's true that that's not true. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually your fourth recording. Is that? Oh yeah. This is your fourth recording. Yeah, no, is, this, this is your fifth recording. Because of right. the other yeah, one. Yeah, you're right. Right, you're right, 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 right. right. It's number five. Yeah. <laughs> so there was the one recording that we had last season, mm-hmm. and then there was the recording that we did maybe a month ago. Yeah. That just completely disappeared from the face of this earth. Yep. Then there was the other episode that we recorded to replace that episode mm-hmm. that we both walked away and said, that was trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you thought it was trash. <laughs> I came out of it thinking maybe the Lord has something else. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the Lord has something else. Um, and then there's an episode that you record that's going to come out. Um, With Matt. With Macklin. It was so fun. Um, and I'm very excited about that. Me too. And so here we are, trying once again to record this episode on purity culture. Yes. Yes. Which, by the way, I'm so sure this is going to go way better because the two brilliant women that you had on the show last time said everything that I could have possibly thought way better than I could even think it. So... I'll just sit here for the next 40 minutes and be like, you should probably just go listen to that last episode. <laughs> it I mean, was so good. <laughs> you should definitely go back and listen to the episode because it is really, really good. But Ken, you do add to this conversation because you are of the male species. Um, last and, I checked, that is correct. <laughs> and, you know, you grew up in purity culture mm-hmm. as well. And as a man, you experienced that differently because you know the messages to you as a man were different than the ones that we received Mm -hmm. as women and so it was very important for me to have uh, a man on the podcast to speak to these things because I think that you all are a demographic that gets overlooked a lot when we talk about purity culture Mm -hmm. we talk about how purity culture has negatively affected women and how it has made them in some way feel oppressed, you know, and all of those kinds of things. But we don't talk about the impact that some of the teachings of purity culture have had on men. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. To share your story and your perspective, because I think it's going to be really helpful, not just for men, but also for women as well to sort of hear the other side of of the conversation. And so before we start, here's what I want to hear. I want to hear your first impressions from the last episode with Bethany and Rachel. Great. Yeah. You want, <laughs> what do you want me to like like favorite parts or like how do you want to do Yeah, this? like what was what was, you know, what made you go, mm, that's good. What made you say hallelujah, amen? I'm not even exaggerating, like probably every five or 10 minutes I was in the car like, yep, that's wow. That's that's so good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very good. So <laughs> that's not a really helpful answer because so I you like the episode. It was so good. Really, really. It yeah. Was, it, I came out of it legit thinking in my head. It's like, I want to be like those ladies when I grow up, <laughs> which is a weird thing, maybe to say out loud as a 30 year old man. But I meant I mean it like yeah. really, they were so incredibly wise and insightful. And so. I came out of it feeling so grateful. Yeah. What were some of the nuggets, some of the gems you took away? Yeah. Um, So I guess maybe maybe to split it up into kind of two parts, my thoughts overall, um, I'll say like like one one part of it. The first part will be just like like the 
the quality of the conversation itself and just the things that I learned from that. It's like first huge thing. I loved so, so, so much and I was so blessed by it. And I'm so grateful for how tremendously gracious, um, you know, and, you know, how quick, you know, your guests were to give the benefit of the doubt, you know, to the generation before us that, you know, really were like, I mean, we just, we just should believe like we're trying their best to honor the Lord in the way that they were raising young teenagers and like children mm-hmm. um, in wanting to raise them up to have like a right view of like sexuality and sexual purity and holiness and all that stuff. I think that that was so good because, you know, where I think that deconstruction is not just like a novelty, like for for good Christians, it's a necessity. Like we have to think deeply about these things. That's good, you know? Um, I think that with that though, there's always the danger to swing too far in the opposite direction and just throw away um, every good intention and even like the good things that come from things like purity culture, right? Mm-hmm. And then just say it was all bad and the people who like propagated it were bad people. And that 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 would just be unfair, you know? Um, so I love that because it it is not just better for us as Christians, but I think overall more helpful for us as Christians to, you know, look back at the teachings of generations before us, recognize the things that are either harmful or unhelpful, or, you know, in some instances, just downright not true. Um, and look at those things like with eyes of grace and recognize like even through that, like, you know, that phrase like God still drew straight lines, like with crooked sticks, I guess, mm, you know, like some, yeah. some version of that thing. So I think that was so, so, so stinking good. Um, let's see. With that, I'll like follow up with like the, um, <clears throat> I forgot if it was Beth or Rachel. I'm saying saying their names like we're on a first name basis. They don't even know who I am, <laughs> but whatever. Um, there was one point kind of going back to like the whole like deconstruction thing, right? And like how, like where to start in that conversation on purity, right? Um, mm-hmm. And like just like this strong emphasis on like, know how to read your Bible, right? Like mm-hmm. know who Jesus is, learn, like figure out what you believe about him. And the word loyalty was used a lot. I think that that's a very, very strong word. And, you know, I'll, you know, big, give a big thumbs up to that. Um, I, I would probably maybe frame it more like, like, is he worthy of like your thought in such a way that like, you know, when you see him and you think about all these things that you are deconstructing, like who is it that you're looking at, you know? And like, in what way are you looking at scripture? I thought that, that was such a huge point. Um, and being a Bible nerd, I'm all for anything that helps people to want to read their Bibles better. So that was really good. And then content wise, um, there were two huge things that stuck out to me. One was this, um, again, I don't remember which one of the two, um, women shared this thought, but one of them said, like it had made a point and it felt so quick. Uh, it was so incredibly deep, this idea that, you know, in purity culture and in that conversation, men are pretty much like reduced to lust machines and women are reduced to like stumbling blocks and how that in some really significant ways, um, like it, it, it was the use reduced, like reduce our humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that was Rachel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Man, what a smart lady. I, like, <laughs> I, I legit like was in my car, like pumping my fist because of how stinking good of a point that is. And I guess we'll talk more about that in just a little bit, but mm-hmm. that was really big. And then, um, I think this one actually might've been Beth. Um, she had talked about how, like the way that we teach inerrancy, um, and how looking at it, like, as like just too literally in, in some weird ways, it actually makes the Bible less than what it is. Yeah. Um, that was, I don't know if like she has like a seminary education, but like there are literal classes on that exact same thing. And so I thought that was so, so incredibly good because especially when it comes to how we think about a Christian, you know, a Christian sexual ethic, right? Um, The way that we read the Bible, the way that we understand it as like the literal revelation of God, him Mm -hmm. showing us about him, everything that he intends to show us. um, When we look at like these stories and we think of them as just like, factual history and stuff like that and we reduce it to that we actually end up missing the things about himself that he intends to show us you know and how we're supposed to think and how we're supposed to be a people of wisdom and 
you know, in this specific instance, what it means for us to desire sexual purity. You know, yeah. is it just behave like these people and don't do the bad things that they did in the Bible, or is it something greater than that, where you know Christ is the center of all of this, and God is showing us in His Word, you know, in all the ways that the fall has taken something from us, like in this meta narrative of Scripture that you mm-hmm. talk about so much, right? Mm-hmm. In all the ways that the fall has taken something from us, in what ways does Jesus show us that God not only can but has and will continue to restore things? You know, I think yeah. that's so good. So that'll say like, yeah. Learn how to read your Bible. It's so good. <laughs> and like these two women just came up there and were like, yeah, learn how to read your Bible. So love yeah. that. Yeah, no, it was good. I thoroughly enjoyed my <laughs> conversation with them and left encouraged and inspired. You know, sometimes I walk away from these episodes and I'm like, thank you for walking with Jesus. Mm. Thank you for walking with Jesus because we are getting to experience the the outpouring and the fruit of just your sitting before the Lord, your laboring with scripture, your wrestle, um, you know, your journal entries. Like we are benefiting from from just your uh, day-to-day walk with the Lord. And it was very clear to me that not only are these women like brilliant, but they have like just a deep abiding love and affection for for the Lord. And so it was a great conversation. It was a great conversation. And many of the things that you said stood out to you, uh, stood out to me. I think the thing that sort of uh, came to the surface the most for me was when Rachel had talked about how many people, because of purity culture, when they mess up, they think that God is going to punish them Mm -hmm. and that that punishment can come through like an STD or infertility or both or both, you know, and, and just saying like, no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, like God punishes Christ. He punishes his son. um, And that because we serve a resurrected savior, we can believe that he can resurrect any kind of brokenness in our lives and bring shalom, bring peace, bring wholeness um, to it. And just how that is just a poor view of God and that that kind of thinking is literally antithetical to the gospel um, that says, no, God extends his grace. He doesn't extend condemnation towards us. He extends his love and his grace and restoration um, towards us. And so, yeah, it was really, really good conversation. Um, one of the things that Rachel did in that episode is she shared some of the major tenets of purity culture, yeah. some of the big ideas, mm-hmm. and she just like rapid fired that stuff out because, you know, it's just inner. Uh, but two of the things that she said that I thought was really interesting is one, how virginity can equal purity. Yeah. Right. Um, And then also she talked about how there's kind of this undertone to purity culture of like the prosperity gospel. Yeah. Like if you save yourself for marriage, then you will have this beautiful sex life uh, in marriage or, you know, God will bless you with children or X, Y and Z. And you'll be Um, married young and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And so as someone who, who grew up in those spaces, like, did you encounter those messages? Um, and and maybe what what other messages did you encounter? Yeah, I mean that like those are two really 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 big things. The whole, um, I mean, I don't I don't know that anybody in my life while I was growing up straight up said to me that like the the condition and the quality of your virginity is directly correlated to how pure and how holy you are in God's eyes. Like, I don't know that anyone said those exact words to me, but just short of saying those exact words, that's so much of how purity was communicated to me and the people like in my youth group. And when I went to college, come find out like a ton of other youth groups too, you know, not to bash on youth groups. I was a full-time student director for three years and I loved every second of it, except for the parts that I didn't, but we won't go there. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it, there really is like, that's, you know, again, like antithetical to the gospel. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I recognize not just in myself, but in the conversations that I still get to have with 
really close friends uh, who I grew up with and people that I didn't grow up with, but we're kind of hearing these things too, just like all the ways that it created in me for sure. Um, and in like, just like this huge category of guilt that, you know, I, I, I can't even say fully that like I've completely shed, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm, I'm by the grace of God, I'm so much better than I was before, you know, but there, there just is a whole lot of, you know, like with girlfriends that I had when I was in high school or the things that I've watched on my free time or the way that I've thought and all that stuff, like this tremendous, like racking weight of guilt on me because, you know, I'm not like the perfect picture of Christian purity and therefore like God must like, you know, God surely has some form of punishment waiting for me, like Mm -hmm. either by, you know, like either in my marriage, which I'm not married right now, but like in my, you know, like there's a part of me that does think it's like, how is this going to come back and haunt me later? Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, it's really easy for me sometimes to think as like a 30 year old single guy, like, well, maybe this is part of the reason why, you know, well, it doesn't take too many mm-hmm. steps for me to kind of like my mind to drift into those spaces when I'm mm-hmm. not like in the healthy confines of good loving community and stuff like that. So yeah, for sure. That's a really big thing. And then the, the whole, you know, prosperity gospel-esque, you know, um, <laughs> like almost economy of like, if I, if I do this specific thing and if I hold to this specific thing far above everything else, right, mm-hmm. then, you know, my relationships will, or my, my relationship and like, you know, like all like these really significant parts of my life will flourish tremendously. And you know, as an unmarried person, I can't say that, you know, like being a virgin has blessed my marriage, but I know a lot of married people that I grew up with who at some point were like, you know, like, just like what we're talking about. It's like, I appreciate what they were trying to do, but I really wish that someone had told me before I got married how like unavoidably awkward sex for the first time is <laughs> after marriage, you know? Yes. Like, you know, like, and so, yeah, like, I think that there's that. Um, and then also like any other healthy relationship, like my young married friends and my, my age and my older married friends, like who did save themselves for marriage and like some who like didn't even kiss anybody until like their, their wedding day. Cause I know people like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like still went through the really, really painful, difficult stuff that comes with covenanting to give your life for the good of another person and their flourishing, you know, mm. and like doing that in a church body, like it just comes with really difficult stuff. And, you know, their, their virginity didn't spare them of a lot of that. So I think that's yeah. a really big thing. Um, I think a couple of other things, I think that there's this, I, I, I might not know 100% what, like in what specific ways purity culture was preached to young women and maybe still is preached to young women. But like as a guy, um, and I'm, I'm curious to maybe do some personal research on this, like the correlation between like gender roles as, you know, in Christianity and like the way that we talk about purity culture. Because I know that for me growing up, a lot of the purity culture talk um, you know, when it came to like guys essentially being like lust monsters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things that like that didn't really prepare me well for was like one, it for it, it sounds like this is such an obvious thing, but like it took a pretty long time for me to realize and understand like no, like my sisters in Christ who are completely and totally human and are physiologically made just like I am for, you know, to be able to enjoy this gift of sex, right? Like, I didn't even have it in my mind that they also could lust, right? That that was a thing that they would struggle with, right? I know, crazy, yeah, crazy, right? World shattering. Um, And so that in some ways, I know for sure made me, um, I think, unkind to some women Mm. in my life, some young women in my life, whenever they did express, you know, friends in college, you know, that Mm -hmm. express like the difficulty of like fighting temptation, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, then you're just a little bit weird, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's just so incredibly unkind. Um, And then with that, again, kind of going back to like the gender roles thing, like it really did create um, 
this thing in me where, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to say that I am, you know, like a virgin, but, you know, maybe like do kind of like air quotes because like I've had girlfriends that like I've fooled around with. And I look back at those things like with regret in my heart, but you know, one of the kind of going back to the whole like tying it into the shame thing like a lot of the way that a lot of the ways that purity culture is talked about when it comes to men is like it's almost like sexual purity and sexual abstinence and leading in that is specifically if not exclusively the responsibility of young men mm. um and you know i don't want that to be misconstrued like i'm like victim you know or you know blame shifting onto women too right mm-hmm. but the it, it's a very specific kind of pressure i think um and i mean i definitely grew up with that you know where i was thinking like because i am a lust machine mm. like anytime you know i'm ever you know physically close to a woman right I'm solely responsible for like mm. the state of like our sexual purity and that, and that just can't be true because mm. this woman is a whole human being as right. well, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that like that, like for me, that was a really big thing. And I know, I know for sure that that was a really big thing for a lot of guys too. Like in some ways, you know, just like a lot of other things when we focus so deeply on that, like I know some guys that I grew up with who were, really 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 arrogant about it um and then were later humbled and then other guys like myself who like felt really deep like brokenness and despair um but you know at this point in my life i'm super grateful to say that like the lord and his grace has shown me that he still wants me you Mm -hmm. know and that's Mm -hmm. huge um so yeah i think that's a that's a big thing hopefully that's kind of like a helpful point and then there's also like this weird thing where like there, there's still this huge thing. And I don't know that this is like specifically Christian. It probably isn't. But like, I think that a lot of the rhetoric that I learned when it came to, you know, Christian purity and stuff like that, it made it really weird and kind of difficult to have good, meaningful, life-giving friendships with women, you know, um, which sucks because that means that for a pretty huge chunk of my more formative years, I like went out of my way to avoid asking really smart young women and older women like their thoughts on like not just life but even like how to read the bible you know Mm. um because you know if you spend too much time with a woman there's no way that you're just not going to like you know dangerously lust at like lust after that person um and i kind of wish that growing up like i had learned you know more than just like the like the pat on the shoulder, like, well, you're my sister and I'm going to do everything that I can to take care of you. Like more, I think more than that. Um, I just didn't really grow up like learning, like how, how do I honor my sister? Not just by being responsible for like physical boundaries on my end, but also like inviting them into my life to ask them, like, like, how is the Lord working holiness in you? And Mm -hmm. you know, like, what can I learn from that? You know, yeah. so I th- I'd I'd probably just leave it there. I could probably, <laughs> if you gave me more time, I could think of a whole <laughs> lot more. But we'll I'll just add those things to yeah. Uh, what Rachel and Bethany, yeah, Bethany, Bethany. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah, I don't know yeah, my yeah. space there. Uh, talked about last week. No, I think that's that's really good, Ken. I think especially you know to hear you talk about the pressure that you felt to lead in the area of sexual purity, like in your relationships with with women. And I think, you know, it's really interesting because I think as a woman, you know, we were told to sort of cover up and be modest and, you know, wear a one piece with a a t-shirt over it, not a white one, you know, and shorts (laughs) and shorts. And if you, if you bring anything outside of that to summer camp, they have a triple extra large black t-shirt for you to wear. And that's what you're stuck with. Yeah. They they will find something Mm -hmm. for you. And so, you know, us feeling the pressure to not cause you all to stumble, but then you also find, you know, feeling that same kind of pressure, but maybe in a different um, kind of way in that, you know, your experience was like, yo, when I, when I failed in that area, then not only did I feel responsible for myself, 
right? But I felt responsible for this other yeah. this other person. And yeah, that's a lot of weight um, to carry. And it kind of speaks to even to what Bethany talked about like last time about how these guys, you know, they, they, these women are trusting them. Yeah, and they're supposed to be like gentlemen, like like these good, like, I don't know if chivalrous, yeah, chivalrous, I yeah. guess. Like, like these good, like upstanding young Christian men and then they fail and then they end up breaking up with these girls because they don't want to feel that guilt anymore and then ends up hurting these young women even more. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think that that, that shame element that she talked about, like, was so big. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I mean, it really has. I think, you know, if I could attach maybe some emotions to, to you know, purity culture, one of them would be shame, you know, that yeah. it's it's caused us to feel a lot of shame about our bodies, about our sexuality. Um, and then a lot of shame when we, we fall in, mm. in those areas. One of the things I really wanted to talk about was when Rachel talked about how men are viewed as lust machines. Mm. And you mentioned that earlier and how that is a reduction mm-hmm. of, our humanity humanity that impacts how we see ourselves yeah. and our one another and, and one another. I thought that was so powerful yeah. um, when when she said that. And I'm just wondering how the rhetoric that men are less machines like impacted your view of self mm-hmm. um, and even how it sort of impacted you in moments of of temptation. Yeah. Right. To have that sort of idea um, floating around in your mind and your heart. Yeah. Um, for sure, in some unhealthy spaces throughout my life, that that reduction and that I'm also going to add like along to the category of like reduction of like fully humanness, right? Just like the category of like oversimplification, right? Mm. Like that oversimplification. I know with certainty that I've used that as a justification for my own sin. Mm. You know, like at multiple different points in my life as a young man where I've been like, well, you know, my brain is just wired like this. So there's really no way that I can actually resist the temptation to watch pornography, Mm. you know, or like my brain is just wired like this. So there's no way that I could be like making out with a girl and like just stop myself. Right. Mm. Um, And yeah, just like use that as like a, you know, like as a way to sort of like rationalize myself. It's like, well, it's just the way that my brain is, you know? Mm. And again, like that's like, it's like most unhealthy or like some really, really dark, unhealthy spaces, Um, you know? And I think that with that too, like, you know, on the one hand, like, you know, I, you know, I might be quick to, you know, just say, well, it's just the way that I am and be apathetic about like actually like, fighting the good fight, you know, and like, mm-hmm. like really like digging my heels in my desire to honor Jesus. On the other hand, um, of that same coin, it's also like made me like actually feel like, well, I just can't be with a woman that, you mm-hmm. know, like, 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 like legitimately, like if this is the way that I'm going to be, like, I'm not good, you know, and I can't mm-hmm. be good. Um, I will say, you know, in the spirit of fairness, though, I've been really, really blessed to have um, men and women older and my age um, to very quickly like dispel those things and tell me like, you know, I mean, like one of the most memorable things that I hold to this is it's like, you know, people, I've had men tell me it's like, yeah, you're probably right. Like by your own power, like you're just going to, this is just what you might be, but you know, the beauty of like Christian power is that it's not on us. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's Christ and his indwelling spirit in us and the fact that we can lean into that. So, so blessed to have people in my life to quickly um, and graciously speak that truth over me, but it doesn't really do away with the fact that like I did feel that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I know I've definitely been in conversations with friends of mine particularly male friends who have said, you know, uh, guys are just guys. Yeah. You know, or it's unreasonable, you know, to expect uh, a guy to uh, be a virgin, you know, until marriage, you know, 
because guys are, are they, you know. These like primal sex monsters. <laughs> right. It, yeah. And, and I've always been like, that's not, that's not fair. That's not true. Mm-hmm. That's a poor view of, of men. Uh, it's not God honoring, you know, if anything, they, they, they are humans, you know, creating the image of God mm-hmm. and the same spirit that lives in women, <laughs> you know, lives in them. Um, the same spirit that caused them to to purity, you know, will empower them to to live a life of purity. And I guess like what were maybe some some key conversations or some key passages of scripture that really helped you to think of yourself differently? Like better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this wasn't I, the first thing that comes to my mind. This is so, so big. Um, and I think that you actually mentioned this at like in the beginning of the last episode. Yeah. You, you, you'd mentioned the whole like passing around like a rose sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And like how mm-hmm. that was like, you know, in hindsight, just a, a well intentioned, but absolutely terribly executed method of, fear-mongering kids into abstinence, yeah. you know, like horrible. But um, one thing that I will never forget, and I really, really genuinely do think that like as a young man, like, like 20, 21, something like that. Yeah, it's definitely 10 years ago. Um, I don't know if this is like a weird thing to bring up just in light of like the modern day, but um, like I'll never forget sitting in my dorm room in college and watching this Matt Chandler video where he talks about how he invited a friend of his who I think wasn't a Christian and like was like kind of like living in the wake of you know basically like a sexually promiscuous life and then this guy goes up on the stage and like passes around a rose and like talks about sexual purity and stuff like that and tells all these young people to like smell it and touch it and like really kind of like get into mm. like the petals and stuff um, and then the, you know, the rose gets passed back up on stage and like his big point was like, well, who would want this? And Matt mm-hmm. Chandler tells in the story, it's like, I've never wanted to hurt somebody on a stage before like this, but it took everything in me not to just yell at the top of my lungs. like Jesus wants that rose, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if you read his book, Explicit Gospel, he actually talks about that a little bit more and how like he had, like, I think if I'm remembering like a really heartbreaking but eventually beautiful conversation with his friend that um, he invited because, again, she's coming to, like, what was supposed to be this Christian concert. And I forgot what happens, but basically, like, she has a conversation with him and she asks him, like, does Jesus want me? You know, Mm -hmm. like, am I, like, am I too dirty for him to want? And he and his friends got to tell her, like, no, like, Mm -hmm. like, you are not. Like, that's what the beauty of the gospel is. And, like, that, that was so, so, so big for me because it was the first time in that specific clear way that like I really felt like oh like, mm-hmm. like he does want me as I am you know mm-hmm. because at the time like I was a Christian and like I was a Christian who had made mistakes as a Christian mm-hmm. you know um so that was so big and I think that since then um it's like a light switch kind of went off and like even the way that I read passages of scripture that like implore us as Christians to like live for like sexual purity. Like I think that in a really big way, that floodgate of grace, you know, being opened has sort of like helped to reshape the way that I think about it in myself and the way that I think about it in others. So yeah. Man. Yeah. That's that's good. Thanks Matt Chandler, I guess, you know, Um, thank God for, you know, speaking truth in that way. So I'd say that that's probably the biggest one. No, that's good. That's good. Um, just even like as we we're talking about purity, um, one of the things that sort of came out of the the last episode was just kind of that we can have this narrow definition of mm, purity. Yeah, you know where it's it's just purity equals sexual purity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and that there's yeah. no other kind of purity or holiness that we need to pursue. And I know like as a kid, even when I would read the passage, you know, you are a new creation, the old has gone and the new has come. I always read that and interpreted that through the lens of, 
of purity, mm. you know, of sexual purity, because that was really the only thing that was being put before me as a kid to pursue, you yeah. know, not not kindness, <laughs> not loving my neighbor, mm-hmm. not, you know, um, a cheerful and generous heart. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, uh, like or even like issues of of justice and, and those kinds of things. And so I just. Yeah, I just am like learning that we need to expand our definition of purity. Yeah, for sure. Um, because when we look at the prophets, God is not just, you know, upset with Israel because they are promiscuous, you know. Um, he he is sending his judgment on them because they're not caring for the poor. And the widow yeah. and the fatherless, you know, um, they're not pursuing holiness and set apartness in the way that he um, intended. And so, I don't know. I just wonder how do we, just from your view, or even maybe you could just speak personally, like how has God expanded your definition of purity and holiness? Yeah. Oh man, I think that in one really, really big way, um, for the last, I don't know how many years now, I've really been thinking about like the intention and the desires of the heart, Mm. you know, because like the Bible seems to pretty clearly say to us that that matters a lot to God, you know, Mm -hmm. I was actually just reading my quiet time the other day. I'm going through, uh, first and second Samuel. Um, but you know, at some point, you know, Saul, like, makes an offering to the Lord that, like, air quote, is well-intentioned, right? But it's not the kind of offering that God asks for, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it certainly just isn't an offering that God asks for. And He flat out goes and does what he's not supposed to do, makes an offering from that. And then Samuel rebukes him and says something to him, like, to the effect of, like, it, like do you really think that, like, that obedience, like that, that gift is what God is after. You know, he wants a heart. He wants your heart that desires mm. to be like him, to, that desires to be you know, obedient to him, the heart that loves him. That's what he wants far more than just the, like the burnt offerings, you know? Mm. And like time and time again, we see that like all over scripture, you know, I mean, like in, I think it's in, I'm pretty sure it's in Ezekiel. I, you'd think that I remember this after writing a sermon on it. <laughs> like, like in Ezekiel, like one of the most important passages in the entire Old Testament, God saying to his people, like, I'm going to give you a new heart, a heart of flesh, one yeah. that will desire to obey my commands and keep my statutes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, like the desire bit is so incredibly big. And so I think that, you know, and like that applies like, so far beyond just the scope of like the way that we think about like our virginity or our sexual purity and stuff like that. I mean, it's in, it it you know it informs the way that we think about like like you know how we behave when we get cut off by one of the absolutely terrible drivers in North Carolina because in the Triangle <laughs> people drive like it's their last day on earth. I don't know, you know, uh, no shade. Anyway, yeah, but, you know, like 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 is it is it more honoring to the Lord? that I don't drop an F-bomb when I get cut off on the road, right? Or, or you know, like, if, you know, if in my heart I feel nothing but, like, anger towards the person who did that to me, like, is that really honoring to the Lord that, like, you know, I'm not, like, cussing, right? Right. You know, or, like, is it still dishonoring to the Lord that, like, my immediate response is, like, legitimate, like, anger, like mm-hmm. towards the person who wronged me in that way, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so like it's like this huge thing of like, you know, like paying a lot of attention to like the renewal of the heart and how that informs our desires, you know, and the way yeah. we have those conversations, not just with one another, but, you know, in our confessing and in our pleading to the Lord. Um, and that's a huge way that like, you know, my thinking has kind of shifted because yeah. I, I know plenty of people who do all the right things, but you know, especially when it comes to a sexual ethic. Like again, I was talking about it before. Like it's made some guys that I grew up with really arrogant, and others like myself really, really like you know, desperate. Um, like the, the the people that it makes arrogant. It's like you know, now I'm at a point in my life where I want to have a conversation with people and ask them, like, 
you really think that the fact that you've never touched a woman physically like makes you more desirable to the lord it makes it makes him see you like you are a better fit you know mm. more you know more holy i don't know more whatever than any one of his you know any of his other sons mm. you know mm-hmm. because you don't really seem to like people you know like that's a huge problem like maybe that's why you've never touched a woman before it's because you just don't like people and you're mean i don't know Mm -hmm. like um so yeah that all that all just to say it's like that's that's been a huge shift in um the way that i think and again like in the way that i read my bible really paying close attention to not just like like the the written facts and like observing the character of these people but like really asking like in what ways is the Lord revealing to me, like how he actually wants me to be, you know? Yeah. So that's big. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause I mean, essentially we are saying like purity is more about the condition of our heart mm-hmm. than it is about our behaviors because yeah. we can have the quote unquote right behaviors, but our hearts still be impure. Yeah. Um, because we are pursuing those behaviors, not unto the Lord, but unto, you know, our own self-esteem yeah. or uh, the way we want other people to view us or or whatever, you know, um, for our own good and not really for the glory of God. And I, I appreciate that because I think a lot of times I can think that purity and holiness is just about what I do versus about like, who I am, yeah. you know, and sure in Christ, I am holy, you know, like Hebrews says that like, but it also says that those he made holy, he's, he's perfecting, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. he's still making um, holy, but it's not him cleaning up the outside of the dish. It's him cleaning up the inside, mm-hmm. you know, of it. Yeah, so. I mean, that's exactly why like Peter, like he says to the church, which is like the people, like he calls us like the holy priesthood, like the holy nation, mm-hmm. the priesthood of God, which is like not to be taken lightly. Like that means that like yeah. I, in all of my humanness, in all of my, in all the parts of me that are not exactly like Jesus, right? Like even that, like I still am, you know, not just a son of God, but like a priest that gets to come to him. You know, that's huge. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. You said something earlier about sort of how purity culture impacted your ability to relate to women around you, be mm-hmm. it they were older, the same age. Um, you just kind of felt like you had to <laughs> stay, stay away, right? Um, in a sense, yeah. or keep keep a considerable amount of distance. Well, yeah. And like that has a lot to do with the fact that like um one of the things when it comes to like sexual purity and like marriage in this like umbrella of like purity culture, it's like the conversations about dating were so bizarre. Like I don't think that anybody who grew up in like in a Christian, like um, like purity culture context, like ever learned to date (laughs) in a way that wasn't at least a little bit weird. Right. Yeah. And what I mean by that is it's like growing up, Pretty much what I heard, like, you know, when once I started having conversations like this um, was like, if you don't at least have it in your mind that you're going to possibly marry the girl, don't bother asking her out. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like a crazy amount of pressure to put on a 16 year old because I was like, I don't know if I want to get married. That sounds crazy. you know. <laughs> and, you know, like uh, uh, another kind of important part of my story, too, is it's like, you know, in middle school and early high school, pretty much everything that I learned about like girls and dating I learned from like kids that were like just a little bit older than me but like probably just as stupid I just thought they were really cool (laughs) um and that's I mean that's kind of how like I originally like you know pursued girls like both in youth group and also at school where I was like that girl's cute I'm gonna shoot my shot and you know you know like once I'm bored or if she says no to me or rejects me, I'm like, cool, peace out. Never see you again. Right. Hmm. And like I had a really well-meaning youth pastor like sit down with me and tell me like, you need to stop because if you keep doing this, and if you hurt girls in our youth group, I'm going to hurt you. And I was like, Ding. heard. And then he was like, 
if you want to be honoring to Jesus with your life, he like slid over a book to me, and sure enough, it was uh, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. So I was like, right on. And then after that, I read Boy Meets Girl and then like a bunch of other stuff all over the place. So, and so it was like a really, really, really hard swing in the opposite direction of just being an idiot boy that mm-hmm. like could say the right things or like, you know, like feign goofiness and stuff like, well, let's be real. I never feign goofiness. I'm just a weird person. But, you know, like <laughs> but like do that in like a charming way that gets girls to like pay attention to you. Like moving from that to like, I like everything that I've ever done in the way that I've related to girls has been completely and totally wrong. And so mm. I need to do this thing. And, you know, like I said, one of the really big things when it comes to dating was, you know, this sort of like thought that like, unless you have built the category in your mind that you could possibly marry this girl, don't ask her out. Yeah. Right? So, like, for me, that means that for a really long time, I didn't date anybody, you know? Mm. Like, or, you know, like, in the span of 10 years, I can count, like, maybe with one hand how many girls, like, I've even gone out on dates with because, like, it really was ingrained in my mind where it's like, I don't know, she's pretty cute and she's kind of funny, but, like, if you were to ask me right now if I could possibly marry her, it's like, I don't know the answer to that question, so I probably just won't do anything about it. You mm. know? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that that's the most helpful. I'm not going to say that it's wrong because I also think that going the opposite direction and like dating just for poops and giggles is not the most helpful thing. <laughs> poops and giggles. Sorry. You know, <laughs> Thank you. I, I think in a different setting, I might have been a little bit crass. No, no, no. Yeah, you know, like. Like, I don't know that that's actually the most helpful thing, too, because, Mm -hmm. like, now, as I've even gone through, like, my own, like, form of deconstructing, I guess, and coming out of this, like, I'm in a place where I'm really, really grateful for the opportunities that I've had in the last two years to, like, like, actually, like, use the word date, ask girls out on dates, right? Um, and in those settings, like get to know them and like, I mean, receive some really wonderful wisdom from them and like genuinely enjoy the company of like wonderful young women. Um, and like really just like enjoy that, like as mm-hmm. that and then be open handed about whether or not like that could turn into something else. So mm-hmm. far it hasn't. But, you know, <laughs> like the fact that like I'm more open to it now is kind of a big deal because yeah. if you'd asked me 10 years ago, if you told Twenty-year-old Kinshiro that like mm-hmm. you know he'd be app dating and like would go out with like half a dozen like half a dozen different girls like in the span of two years or whatever he'd be like ooh he's probably backsliding yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> like and like you know like not even have it in my mind that it's like oh like in an honoring way where like I'm being really clear and, and you know clear about like my intentions um. And as honorable as I can be in these settings, like just enjoying the company of like a sister in Christ yeah, as a human being, right? And seeing them as that and then being able to like enjoy that experience. And again, be just open handed about like where that could possibly go. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. Um, I think, you know, even just hearing you talk, it's like purity culture and some of its teachings has been really paralyzing for Mm -hmm. folks you know in terms of knowing how to interact with people of like the opposite sex and I know for me you know you start I started to not see men as brothers but as potential spouses Mm -hmm. right and so um my ability to just be friends and build um you know a relationship that wasn't you know out of the intent to move in a certain direction, yeah. right? Uh, really, really like just impacted my ability to relate to guys uh, in a way that was healthy, you know, um, and in a way that honored them as as my brothers and not as means to an end, you yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. Not as, you know, folks who can get me, you know, to the the altar, as, as quickly as possible. And so I think one of the things that God has had to help me with the most is sort of deconstructing some of the things that I've learned about myself and about men and about marriage and about singleness uh, through purity culture and just other things in the church, like to really free up my ability to be friends with, with men. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been like a really 
cool and interesting journey. Um, because, you know, usually like if you're a friend with a guy for for a little <laughs> considerable amount of time, then it's like, oh, we got to have a DTR, you know? <laughs> yeah. And if you haven't thought about it, one of your good Christian friends is probably going to please him. Like, so what's going on over there? Yeah. And so and can, y'all, that's not helpful. That's not helpful. Um, <laughs> just so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the things I've been thankful for over these last couple of years is just being able to be friends with with folks of the opposite sex. And I've been thankful for you and how we've been able to have a friendship that's not shallow, mm-hmm. you know, a friendship where we... I mean, we talk about stuff like this. <laughs> we talk about stuff like this. You know, we speak truth to one another, hold each other accountable. Um, and that's just been really, really great. And I think if I could say that there's maybe one really grievous thing that has kind of been the outcome of purity culture is that men and women don't know how to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh man. I will, I hopefully this isn't too tangential, but something that kind of just came to my mind. And again, this isn't anything that anyone ever like said to me. I'm just realizing this as I get older and with my free time, my brain that doesn't turn off gravitates towards reading stuff. Right. Um, you know, something that purity culture doesn't really build a category for at all is like the fact, the reality that like attraction does not always have to be romantic or sexual. That's like, so good. You know, and like, and that's, that's, that, that's a huge thing too, is it's like, you know, like underneath that, well, you better have it in your mind that you might want to marry that person if you decide to ask her out, right? Like underneath that is it's like, a, oh, I really genuinely enjoy the company of this girl, right? But I don't know that I want to date her, right? Is it like, like you know, is there something wrong with me, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, like maybe, I, like maybe I'm just being a clown and I've got to like quit fooling around or whatever and like be way more intentional about it. Um, but like, you know, I don't like anytime I spend like intentional time with any of like the really wonderful women in my life, married and single, right? Like I I really do that because it is life-giving to me mm-hmm. to spend time with them, um, you know, and like be present and be known as a friend in those settings, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, like, of course I'm going to give that time to people that like I am, like I, I attract to, you yeah. know? Like, like people whose like thoughts are really compelling to me, people who like make me laugh, people that I just enjoy being with. Mm-hmm. Um, but like being able to enjoy those things um, and also like soberly and, you know, like with wisdom, think carefully through that and be like, okay, like, can I say in my heart of hearts that like, you know, I'm able to enjoy this relationship in a way that it's not a means to an end, but like, yeah. like this friendship is the end in itself. And I'm very grateful for that, you yeah. know? And that that's super important mm-hmm. um, because, you know, if we're always just going to sit here and be scared, it's like, oh, I might like that person. So I, sh- I probably shouldn't be friends with them unless I'm willing to like that person. Like yeah. we end up barring ourselves, I think, in maybe some very unhelpful ways from possibly some of the most life-giving friendships that the Lord has yeah. for us, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I remember Jen Wilkins did uh, a talk on male and female relationships and just was talking about one of the the lies that we've come to believe is just that men and women can't be friends yeah. and that you know the whole the movie when Harry met Sally mm-hmm. you know sort of like uh speaks to that um that sort of lie that we've come to believe and she talked about how in the bible you know the primary picture of relationships is familial you know, but Mm -hmm. not in, excuse me, necessarily the uh, Mm wife-husband relationship, but in brother-sister relationship. And how even in ancient times, the relationship that a a brother had with a sister and a sister with a brother was actually stronger, you know, than uh, the ties, you know, the commitment, the loyalty was stronger then the relationship that she had with her husband doesn't mean it, that he didn't matter. But yeah, it was exactly. just, <laughs> it's, it's not to undermine one one relationship, but yeah. it's to elevate the other. The other. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it just was like, man, you know, we need a picture of what it looks like 
to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should be pursuing that because God is our father. So if God is our father, then, you know, our primary first relationship with one another is is siblingship yeah. um, more so than 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 marriage, especially because that's going to be the relationship that endures. Yeah, I was just know? about to say it's like, you know, like a huge point in this is like, you know, when Jesus pretty explicitly seems to tell us that marriage is a relationship that we get to experience on this side of eternity, like the kingdom of God, the new creation, Revelation 21, like the way that we relate to one another in that kingdom. Yeah. Is like we are brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of God living in eternity with him in that way. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I would just say like for those of you who are listening, you know, maybe you haven't really thought about sort of having friendships with people of the opposite sex and maybe you don't even know <laughs> how how to do that. And um, I'll share a little bit of sort of my process and then Ken, if you want to share some of your, your things um, I do for me, it's been reminding myself that they're my brother, you know, reminding myself that they're my brother. And when my mind, you know, tries to go to places and make up stories and, and all of that, like coming back to the truth that, that they are, they, they are my brother. I think another thing that, um, I've had to learn how to do, and you were kind of speaking to this earlier, Ken, about attraction. Yeah. Like learning that like all attraction doesn't need to be acted upon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like you could be attracted to someone, you could be attracted to different parts of them, but that doesn't mean that like you need to act on it. And so sort of choosing wisdom in that, and that's someone who, you know, is not really uh, trying to shoot or shot with, with guys like, I, that's just my personal preference. You know, um, I want a guy to shoot their shot with me, not mm-hmm. me shot, shoot my shot with them. Um, I sort of, if I am attracted to someone and our primary relationship is brother and sister, you know, having to submit my attraction to that, to that place of relationship and just trust like, yo, if that brother is interested, he's going to make that known, you know, and that until he, says that with his words, (laughs) then I need to operate with the assumption that, that they're not interested with in me in that way. Um, Cause here's what I've learned about guys. You correct me if I'm wrong, Ken. You're probably right. Go on. (laughs) But if they want, if they want to be with you, they, they can't keep that kind of information to themselves. Yeah, that's true. They'll probably tell someone. They'll tell somebody. Or you, I mean, we should definitely hope that they have people to tell. That's an important part. <laughs> that's but an yeah. important part. But they, that's not information they can generally keep to themselves. And so um, you will find out soon enough whether or not the the feelings are are mutual. So, yeah, those are the two things, like reminding myself that they're my brother, submitting my attraction to, like, the fact that they are uh, my brother, and then also just not seeing them as a means to an end. But seeing them as humans creating the image of God and that I honor them and seeing them as more than like a potential, potential spouse. Mm. And so those are some of the shifts that I have to make in my mind. And then I think practically, you know, just being mindful of, yeah, of what I share, how I share it, when I share it, where I share it. And it doesn't mean that I'm like always censoring myself, but it just means that, I'm I'm trying to be wise yeah. in in my interactions. Like literally what prudence is. Yeah. Self-control. <laughs> you know, in that. And oh, I think, of course, the more that me and that guy have an understanding that we're friends, it creates a little bit more freedom, mm-hmm. you know, for us to, to share and interact um, in a way that's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I'm sorry. What was the question? Yeah, that's a great. That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> like, yo, like, because I was vibing with everything that you were saying, but I'm like, <laughs> if she asked me to say to share, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to I share. Sure what I'm to say, but no, like, just in terms of how you interact with women, particularly from a friendship standpoint, what are some of the ways that you think about that, and then maybe what are some ways that that plays out practically for you? Yeah, um, I think that. I, this is interesting because 
maybe in some ways what I'm about to say might like rub against what Yana was sharing, but she asked me the question. So we'll see how it goes. It's a conversation, right? I can always edit you out. Too. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> make me make me sound way smarter than I actually am, please. Um, but I think that one thing and it actually ties a little bit to what you were talking about, where it's like submitting that submitting that attraction and like with that kind of just trusting that men will make their intentions known. Um, this is a big thing that like I've learned to be just get way better at. And I would like to encourage any guys listening to this to, you know, learn to get a little bit more comfortable with this, right? Um, the the pressure that comes with, you know, purity culture on guys like with this whole like don't even think about asking a girl out unless like you've built it in your mind that you're going to marry that person um ever since i've kind of removed that pressure right um it, it's actually helped a whole lot to where it's like oh like let me let me see this woman in front of me um for what she is which is a whole like thinking human being with probably like brilliant ideas and imagination, but above and beyond all of that, like made in the image of God himself, right? Um, let me let me remove this pressure that it ultimately like has to do with like whether or not I'm willing to make a decision in the future, that decision being marriage, right? And just being like, okay, well, you're a person. I'm a person. You're a Christian. I'm a Christian. You love Jesus. I love Jesus. Let's talk about that. You know, mm -hmm. and like learn to kind of get comfortable with that. Um, now that that's been really, really uh, big and helpful for me. And with that, this is where the big encouragement kind of comes in. Is it's like if you are interested in a girl, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't use this word lightly. Like, don't be a coward. Express that, right? I know that that requires a lot of vulnerability. Um, and I think that also we could have talked about this earlier too, like with the whole like purity culture thing, like that whole like I need to be sure and if I'm not sure then I just shouldn't sort of thing right well you know like sneaking dates by being like hey let's go hang out and then to you it's a date and then to the other person it's not like that's not a particularly courageous or noble thing either. you know like just make make it known like um and yeah it requires vulnerability I can't tell you how many oh yeah sneaky, sneaky dates, dates yeah. I've been on <laughs> nah -uh, nah not, not about that don't do it um like make those intentions known because if you can, if you're willing to trust that the girl that you're interested in or that you, you're at the very least interested in asking out in this way, like if you're willing to trust that she's a mature, like Christian adult human, you should probably also give the benefit of the doubt that hopefully she won't be weird about it. And like, will you know, acknowledge and, you know, even admire the fact that you're willing to be forward about it, you know? Um, so that's like a, just like a general dating thing that I've been learning a lot. But when it comes even before that, just the way that I get to relate to people, um, the, 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 the attraction thing that I was talking about before, like that's been a huge, huge, huge help to me where like, you know, now I'm in a place where, you know, the, the, the great example, like listening to the previous episode with Rachel and with Bethany, right? I, I was nodding my head to pretty much everything that those women were saying right like and like not just like an agreement but like like an emphatic like mm -hmm. like man like these are like these are amazing women like if i ever met them i'd be a fool mm -hmm. as a person to not desire to learn from them you yeah. know um and like yeah like i'm i'm sitting here in complete and total agreement and like given the opportunity to, of course, I'd love to sit and like at least have like a cup of coffee with them and like have that conversation. But that does not mean because I don't know either of them. I don't even know what they look like. Right. Mm -hmm. I, that does not mean that like I'm immediately attracted to them like in a romantic, intimate way. Right. It just mm -hmm. can't be that. Um, and where that's helpful is, you know, when when I'm able to and when we're able to think slowly and carefully and with wisdom about what attraction means that slowness and that intentionality i think helps to free us a lot so that yeah we're not we're not haunted by the possibility that every single woman that we ever come in contact with like could possibly be your wife you know yeah. like that that's pretty daunting you know if yeah. we think of it that way 
But if instead we do just like what Yana was talking about, you know, like affirm others' humanity and then um, in a way that's honoring to Jesus, enjoy that and are open-handed to it, I think that that helps a lot. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think I would, how it summarizes it is just us not viewing ourselves or others as primarily sexual beings yeah. or potential spouses. You know, we are, we are so much more. Yeah. Than, than both of those things. I should have just had you say that like six minutes ago. No, 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 talking. no, it's good. <laughs> Ken, thank you for joining me and for persevering. Thank you for persevering to record this episode. Um, I'm very thankful for you, friend. It is literally my joy. Yeah. I, I have fun doing this every single time. And I'm also very grateful that you keep asking me to come back. So, yeah, keep asking. Especially, again, after that last episode. Guys, if you haven't listened to it, what are you doing? <laughs> it's so good. So I needed to squeeze in one more plug before. Okay. I'd probably read that book, too. I have no reason not to now. It sounds yeah. absolutely brilliant. It's a brilliant book. It's a, it's a really, really good, well-written book. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Um, as always, I pray that, yeah, that your view of God um, was impacted, that you see God more clearly, that God was glorified in your eyes, and also that you were edified. This conversation helped you to make sense a little bit more of, you know, what it means to be a Christian uh, with a sexuality and with desires and uh, even, you know, growing up in a space where maybe you learn some things about sex and sexuality and marriage and singleness that were, were unhealthy, you know. Um, and I pray that you would invite other people to join you in this conversation as you deconstruct uh, purity culture. Because um, we need to do that with our Bibles open, but we also need to do that with, with people around us. And so, friends, this was great. Next time, we're going to be pivoting our conversation. And guess who's going to be hosting, Ken? Actually, I don't know the answer to that question. You're going to be hosting. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So next week, it's going to be an all guys episode with Ken Shiro and our homie Macklin. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to let the dudes have it, you know, speak their piece and, and see what happens. And, you know, it didn't it didn't turn out bad. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. So. Uh, you guys can look forward to hearing from those brothers next week as they have a conversation about pornography, masturbation, mm. and all the things. So, later, guys. Bye.